Booty booby. <laughs> Welcome everybody to the Chinchilla Picking Podcast. It is April the 9th, 2023 at 7.23 p.m. As always, we hope to be entertaining, educational, and uplifting because we want everyone to make money. My name is David Underwood, and I am joined by Brandon Beaver. Brandon, how are you? Happy Easter. Yeah, happy Easter. I'm doing all right. How about you? I'm doing well. Doing well. Having some struggles with my diet this week. Um, I know everybody loves getting these updates on this podcast. I'm still overall losing, guys. I'm still losing. Don't worry. Um, but just bouncing back up up a little bit. So we'll get through it. We'll get through it. Right? Right. It's getting warmer. I gotta start. I gotta start really just eating them but salads now. That's where I'm at right now. I have to go on a diet as well. I've been on it for the past two weeks, ever since my blood pressure was too high. So good times. It happens, man. It happens. Yeah. It happens. Uh yeah, Easter, uh nothing big for Easter. I, I mean, usually on podcasts, you know, big holidays come around. You want to mention something about the holiday. I don't. I don't have really anything big to say uh, for Easter this year. Nothing. Nothing really going on, man. I uh, hope you guys colored some eggs. Uh, do you know uh, egg coloring actually started in uh, Ukraine? That's where that came from. Coloring eggs. Fun fact. Fun fact. You know, in this right. day and age where everything is e-commerce and and internet and and digital, why does the stock market have to be closed on Good Friday and holidays? You could still trade. Come on, you got to give the brokers a couple days off a year, right? I mean, those guys work 90 hours a week as it is. You wouldn't know nothing about that, Brandon. Come on now. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't. Actually, no, I would. There was a couple years in my life, guys, uh, when I was dead broke and I had to work three jobs. And I, I remember working long hours like that and being angry and moody all the time because you're tired, you're hungry, you just want to get some rest and enjoy life and you can't. I, well, I, remember man, I don't that. have three jobs, but I'm trying to build a book of business right now with my company that I'm at. And that that's taken a lot of work. Once I get there, it'll be easier, but... There you go. Yeah, right now I'm I'm at the the long hours at the moment. So, all right. So let's let's get into the week ahead, guys. The week ahead rules, rules, rules. Brandon and I get together five to ten minutes before the show, and we tell each other what we're going to talk about. You actually hear the live discussion here on the show. Brandon, do you mind if I go first, man? Yeah, go ahead. We didn't even discuss it. I'm just you know rolling with it here. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about my biggest topic first. And I, I told Brandon this is what I was gonna talk about, and I wanted to spend the most amount of time on. So every month uh you get the CPI report comes out, and right now that's a big deal, right? Because uh, the market's moving off of how this report comes out. You know, and uh, we've made some calls on it in previous months asking like this well, not calls, but we've 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 talked about this is what we're looking for, and if it hits this number, it will move the market. That's kind of what we've said before on a, on previous calls, right? So what I'm talking about, guys, is the CPI report, the Consumer Price uh, Index, I believe is what the acronym stands for. And I've read a number of, I've read a few different articles today about it, and, and these were all written today. So these are fresh off the, the Reuters news channels uh, for 4.9. So if, if you start Googling, right, uh, as you're listening, um, that's the ones I'm, I'm going to be referencing here. I'm mainly going to be the one referencing the one off of Fidelity. I like this one that provides the most data, but there was I, I read a number of them today, just so you guys know. 
Now the uh, CPI report last time it came out, it, it was it came in at six percent, so it did not drop below that six percent number, which is what I was looking for um, last last month, right? What most analysts that uh, Reuters polled said that uh, they're looking for a five point two percent inflation number, which would be a huge drop from last month, 08 percent drop. In one month, Brandon, uh, that's going to be a big drop if it happens. And if we actually hit that number, I think the markets will move higher because then they'll they'll believe that the Fed will pause raising rates. And you're going to see some excitement. You're going to see some big numbers out that day. I don't think we're going to hit that number, though, because they've been wrong. The analysts that have been polled by Reuters for the past like three months have been wrong. It's always been higher. I think we finally break through 6%, but I don't think we go down to 5.2%. And we still have a lot of way to go because the Fed's looking for a 2% inflation number. So even if we drop below 6 which I think we will, finally, we're still not going to be at that 2% number that the Fed's looking for. What does that mean for interest rates, right? Because all one thing plays into another, plays into another, plays into another. What I'm looking at here is pricing in future markets shows investors betting that the central bank eases later on this year and will drop the federal funds rate from 4.75% currently to around 4.3% by year end. So that's what they're looking for. They're looking for cuts. So they're thinking that if the CPI comes in at 5.2%, it's going to show that the interest rates are having a huge effect quickly now, now that the markets are catching up, and that you're going to start to see the Fed cut rates by the end of the year. That's what they're looking for. Okay, so I wanted to make sure I got that right before I start uh, talking about this. So that's what all the information, that's the, I have other little information, but that's majority of the information, all the articles, Brandon, that I read today about what people are expecting. First of all, I just want to get your thoughts on, do you agree with the expectations? Do you agree with what people are thinking that, first of all, we're going to hit 5.2% this week when it comes out? And second of all, that if we do hit the 5.2%, the Fed will cut rates before the end of the year. No, no, I got gas last week. So, (laughs) no. I don't believe it. I don't believe it at all. And I still think that, you know, historically speaking, the Federal Reserve has to raise the federal funds rate to uh, roughly equal to or or at least near uh, where inflation is, uh, where that CPI data uh, is pointing us at. And, and they haven't done that yet. Um, so, no, I don't I don't see that happening. Um, as far as if it does happen, the market, you're right, the market might, it's probably going to react very well. It just depends on how people take it. That's a pretty big drop. Um, so, you know, people take it as good news. The Federal Reserve is going to, you know, potentially um, hold off on raising interest rates or, or at least put a pause on it. Uh, then that would be great news for the market. But if people start thinking, wow, that's a pretty big drop, you know, maybe we're not going to see a soft landing, then uh, maybe not. But it's probably going to go in your direction. It's probably going to go higher if that happens. Right. And uh, I'm thinking, and and so that's what I'm going to be looking for to really move the market this week. Again, I believe it will finally drop below 6%, but I don't believe it's going to go down to 5.2. That's where I stand. So I, I don't, and I definitely don't believe, even if it does drop to 5.2, Brandon, I, I can't see the federal, uh, the, the cutting rates this year, not this year. They'll no, wait till at, at, at least in the middle of next year, at no. least. Unless we have, um, and and you know, a recession, and that people can't really argue that it's not a recession anymore, right? So, talking about that, let me quote some more from this: recession worries are mounting, with investors betting that the tumult in the banking system, sparked by the March collapse of Silicon Valley Bank, will tighten credit conditions 
and hurt growth. You have that, plus then you have interest rates going higher, possibly, if we don't hit our uh, CPI goals. People are concerned that that's going to drive us more into a recession. Add into it, you're talking about gas and oil, right? OPEC announced last week that they were cutting how much production they were going to do, and that's what sent your cost of oil and gas higher last week. So OPEC's cutting production. You have the the banking crisis, which now regulators can come out and uh, create tightened conditions for lending and loaning, and interest rates possibly going higher if we don't see a CPI number drop down to where we want to see it drop down to. All those conditions point to what you were uh, just alluding to there was a possible recession that nobody can deny. And that might happen if these if even more of these factors continue, such as if home prices continue to drop and we and we don't see those uh, those prices stabilize or 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 we don't see sales improve, that's also going to add to it. Um, so there's a lot of things that could add to this snowball effect here and really get it going. We talked about the snowball effect here on Chanchilla Picking Podcast. If you're listening to us end of last year, and I was thinking it was the Apple credit card that was going to fall first because it was a high subprime number. And I was like, that might be, I said, that will probably be one of the first things that just collapses. Sure enough, we I reported on in January that Goldman Sachs was losing hundreds of millions, hundreds of millions of dollars on the Apple credit card. And I was like, look guys, this thing is losing money for them. Goldman Sachs is not happy with it. They're not willing to invest any more money in it. Apple's got plenty of cash still to keep it afloat. They'll be just fine because they're sitting on that huge mountain of cash. But the point I was making was Goldman Sachs is saying that this is not making as much money as it should have. And it's because of the subprime users of that Apple credit card. And I, I, I wasn't hundred percent correct, but the, the signs were there that, hey, this is starting to not work out because people aren't paying this stuff back. Next thing you know, you have all these other things starting to happen, starting to happen, and you get the snowball effect. And, you know, can the Fed stop the snowball from going down the hill? Or do you think this is already rolling and we just got to see where it lands? Uh, we that have was the question. We have to, I mean, we're not out of the woods yet. We won't be out of the woods until they're done tightening the, the rates, you know, until they're done hiking them. Um, which is something that you know absolutely needed to be done for sure, but uh, um, well, yeah, we won't be out of. I, I can't tell you if there's going to be any more banking failures or anything like that, but I can tell you we're not out of the woods. So it's a possibility still exists as long as the Federal Reserve is maintaining and hiking rates. Interesting. So what do you do? All right. So now we we've covered some of the facts of what's happening, some of the possibilities of what could happen. So anybody listening right now is like, okay, guys, you filled us in. What do I do with this information? How do I invest with it? At this moment in time, nothing. Um, the NASDAQ has risen probably too high for the quarter uh, of, you know, the first quarter of this year. Um, I, what I would normally look at, the consumer staples, uh, you know, are more recession proof than everything else are still too overvalued. Um, medical stocks are still over, uh, too overvalued. I, I, I would love to look at medical stocks, you know, going into a recession just because insurance and, and uh, government often covers those kind of costs. And so they kind of insulate themselves, um, you know, health insurance uh, stocks that um, that, you know, people are required to have health insurance now for the most part, at least uh, those would be recession proof as well. 
but you want them at good valuation. So you want to wait for them to come down. So you arm yourself with all this information and knowing what you're looking at and waiting for, and you just wait for it to happen because the market pays investors that have patience. Yeah. And I, I agree with everything you just said there, but I also, I also want to add in like something I mentioned about a month ago was like possibly looking at real estate uh, rights or EITs. If you guys don't know what, what I'm talking about, and uh, because of the real estate market is taking a hit, I was starting to add some to my watch list and keep an eye on it because they'll drop um, and looking to see if it's a good time to get into one of those and maybe write, write it back up because they do pay a nice dividend every single quarter. And, you know, they're moving. They don't they're not usually volatile stocks. So when they are volatile, that's sometimes to keep an eye and maybe get one on the cheap. So would you be looking more at the commercial space or the residential space or, or kind of both or what? Uh, some that have a good mix so that uh, if if one part of the uh, portfolio takes a hit, the other parts are able to hold it up, such as EPR properties. That's one I've invested with before. Uh, that's one I would probably be looking at again. Uh, it's definitely on my watch list. Um, so th that's an example of one that I, I would take an eye on. And it, they have, like I said, they have great dividends in that sector. Um, but they usually don't move much. They're very slow moving. So uh, that's why I'm looking at it to take advantage of the volatile, <laughs> the volatility in the market as they're dropping down. It's an opportunity to buy some on the cheap that don't deserve to be dropped down like with the others. Now, would you be doing that as a trade or as a long-term investment? Um, this would not be a day trade, but it would not be a long-term investment either. I'm looking at like a swing trade. So for me, if you're looking at a long-term investment, you, you got to like, you can't time the market exactly. But um, there's a little bit of luck involved in this when you're facing a potential recession when it comes to commercial real estate, at least, because the um, and one of the reasons why commercial real estate's taking a hit right now is because credit conditions are already tightening with the Federal Reserve raising interest rates. Um, it, it, the, uh, you know, at least on the um, business and business spending is, is going down as a result of that. Um, you know, there's less commercial investment being made right now. If we go into a recession, that'll take a bigger hit. Um, but if you're if you're looking for a long-term investment, oftentimes commercial real estate, if you if you can pick somebody that has a good balance sheet um that can hold up, that that would be a good buy as well at that point in time. But I, I think I would wait it out. So I, I here's the, here's where I agree and disagree with with, with you on this. Um, I agree with you. Yes, a lot of companies such as like Meta's, Amazon's, and the big companies of the world, corporations have paused expansion. Right? Yeah. They they say we, we want to still expand. We still have these plans. We're just going to pause it. So they're not moving into these commercial spaces. They're not signing leases. You know, they're they're holding off. They're waiting for a better time. That's part of their uh, uh, restructuring plans they came out with to save costs, save money right now because they're expecting this to be a bad year for the consumer, right? So that that is that's what big corporations are doing. But some of these property companies, these rights, have enough spaces already filled. And with companies that have already done their cuts, if these spaces, if they have a majority of portfolio still filled after all these cuts, then you know they're still going to pull in and make that nice dividend and grow. They're not going to drop off like the rest of them. And that's the ones, you, you know, I, I would be definitely looking at. Okay. And you can see the list of, uh, of if you do, it's very hard. But you can dig. They're publicly traded companies. So you, you can dig and you can see where these are all listed. You can request that information. 
Um, if you guys ever watch the movie The Big Short, there was a there's a guy named Michael Blurry. He requested a list of all the homes line by line that were involved in all these portfolios by the banks. And he actually went through it line by line. If it's a publicly traded company and it's a publicly traded uh, portfolio, then you can request this information and, and you could take a look at it. Now, it, it, is it up to you? I mean, is it worthwhile for you to spend that much time? It depends, man. It depends on you and depends on how much of a return you want to make. Um and how much of a risk you want to take? Because it's very speculative that what I'm talking about, but it can pay off. It can pay off. And, and because of all this recessionary talk, a lot of the big corporations with their big cost cutting and restructuring have jumped to some of the analysts have come out and said also in some of these articles I read today, Brandon, the top the top company recommended now to buy uh, for growth. You ready? It's Meta. <laughs> 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 on all these articles I was reading today, Meta was on every single one, and it's I'd still uh, agree with it. I'd still agree with it, but I, I would put Alphabet right there with them. Really? Yeah, yeah, uh, Alphabet right there with them. I uh, and uh, once again, this is another thing that you know analysts have turned negative on Alphabet, but I think they'll be surprised in the end. I don't know why they're turning negative on Alphabet. The Alphabet's uh, profit margin just huge. And they they can weather times of uh, inflation. They can weather times of uh, recession and be just fine at the other end. Yes, they may have to cut some costs and cut some labor force in the middle of it, but they'll be around afterwards, and they're going to continue to make money. I mean, it's 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 a solid company to to invest with just because of how big of a profit margin they have. Yeah, analyst opinions change like the wind. If Warren Buffett went with the analysts that he sees on TV. Or on the internet, he would have never made the money that he made. He would have oh, never the internet follow when he bought it. He he never would have made it. Yeah, the internet. You, I mean, guys, I, I I every now and then will open up uh, Instagram or TikTok and look at some of these investor people up there, and they they throw up all these charts and they point to things above their head, and the charts flash, and these charts show stocks doing good, and they're like, "See, look at this," and I'm like. Look at what? Did you explain why that company is going up? Do you can you even explain to me why you think that company is gonna gonna continue going up after it just jumped up? All you're doing is showing me a chart of a company that just rallied this past week. That's all you're doing. You're not you you have I, I can't even have a conversation with you because you will not be able to explain it to me why that company rallied or what the fundamentals are. Or there was a macro event that affected that company to make it rise up. I you know, and it just drives me nuts, Brandon. So no, I I, and I, I that's why I don't, I don't I don't get on there too often just because of that. I can see how irritated I'm getting now, and I'm just talking about it. When I actually see these guys, it just blows my head. And they got tens of thousands of followers who are listening to them. And I'm like, you guys are leading people astray. You're not leading them down to making money and actually being profitable and helping society here. You're just doing it for views and likes, but whatever. You know, good well, for you. So, you know, because of that, uh, look at the chart, Dave. It's a double fireball. <laughs> shooting <laughs> to the moon man to the moon <laughs> uh so that's why i got inflation that number is going to come out we're going to take a look at it and we're going to see where it lands um if it does hit the 5.2 percent you'll see the market rally but if it stays above six you're going to see the market drop it, it will drop if it's above six um it, i think it's going to go a little bit below six i i don't know about 5.2 i think it's a little aggressive drop but yeah hopeful man maybe so I want it everyone to make money. Why. So it depends on why. So if consumer spending's dropped that much and, and you know, everybody's feeling the pension and it's a recession, then I don't, I'm not excited about it. 
Yeah, but oil and food's included in that. Oil's gone up because OPEC has cut production and food has continued to go up. So, yeah, which is why this really should be the Fed's preferred method of of. I I know they can't do anything about oil, to the to a certain extent they can. I mean, the, the more the the uh, the dollar goes up in value, the more of a lid there's going to be a price on oil. Uh, but um, but for the most part, they can't do anything about supply. Um, right. I know people will make arguments that they can, but it's, you know, it's at least iffy. Yeah. There's only There's so much that they can't do. Shortages they can't do anything about. Gluts they can, but shortages they can't. There you go. Brandon, what did you have first? What was your first topic, man? So I really just wanted to talk about uh, the earnings that are coming up because we're going into uh, – the earnings season for this coming year, the banks are going to report. So you're going to see like JP Morgan, Citigroup, Wells Fargo and first Republic and PNC, uh, the regionals as well in there. I think first, first Republic will get a lot of attention. JP Morgan, just like it does every, every year uh, or every quarter will get attention. Jamie Dimon saying we're not out of the woods on this. Uh, are we going to get evidence as to why he said that with these, with this banking report or, or is it going to be, you know, something that tops uh, analyst expectations and the market goes crazy because of it. Go ahead, Dave. So I heard you say PNC is going to be reporting soon. Um, I'm interested to see what they're what they're doing because it seems like they're moving to less actual physical locations and they're taking a, a different approach with banking. Uh, they had a, a, a lot of uh, cash available and liquidity available to go ahead and uh, buy SVB and save it. But then they backed out at the moment. So that tells me that they, they are sitting on some cash or sitting on some available uh, uh, funds, if you will. And yet they're closing down branches. And so that makes me wonder, you know, what's with the mix here? What's with the mixed signals? But uh, I, I think they're moving to a different approach of banking. And that's why they're closing down the, the branches. They have been one of the best run regional banks. Um. <clears throat> Just uh, in my opinion, but <clears throat> so it'll be interesting to see what happens with them. You've also got Delta Airlines coming up, so we'll see if there's continued growth in travel if people have stopped spending so much on that. Um, healthcare uh, stocks you're going to see Intuitive Sur- Surgical, uh, Vertex Pharmaceuticals, Merck, uh, United Health, Eli Lilly, most of which are are way too overvalued in my opinion right now for the kind of growth that they that they see. Lily maybe not so much. Lily grows a lot, but uh, but I think I think even seeing like for Lily a 55, uh, 55 times earnings right now is just a little too much for the market. Really, really? I mean, in the day and age we're in, where we're having all these new viruses and funguses and everything coming out, you don't think these pharmaceutical companies are just over there like licking their jobs, saying, "Hey." We're going to create a new pill for that. Don't worry. Not as much as they were a year ago or two years ago. I think all those COVID stocks that took the rallies up have already come back down to more no- normal levels. You know what I mean? I mean, you look yeah, at Pfizer. Pfizer's, Pfizer's hardly up since then. I mean, that that's good, but we still got to look at the valuation, not where the price necessarily is, but what the, where, the value, where the market is actually valuing it with market caps and price to earnings ratios and all that stuff. But All right. So what I, there was a period of time where I traded pharmaceutical companies just about every other day, right? Biopharmaceuticals, small pharmaceutical companies. And I would, I would look at different things. So there was, you know, you guys uh, can uh, buy a subscription 
to uh, certain people who track these pharmaceutical uh, giants' uh, private jets. And when they fly off and go meet with small biopharma uh, companies as possible buyouts, there's people who track this. And I would try to trade based off some of this information. Um, and some of these biopharmaceutical companies have great pipelines that they're building because they have a specialized approach. And companies like Merck, sometimes their pipeline will get a little light and they'll go out and they'll buy like four or five of these other ones that have good news coming out. Um, so what I would look at if I'm looking at trying to trade a pharmaceutical company is what's in their pipeline. If it's a big corporation, do they have a, a booming pipeline right now or are they a little light? Because if they're a little light, I might subscribe to the people who follow that pharmaceutical company's private jet and see where it's going. So that way I could get it, uh, a good information on uh, whether or not they're going to buy at one of these smaller companies in order to increase their pipeline. That's one of the yeah. things I used to do back in the day. And then you would buy the smaller company that uh, yeah. possibly get bought out. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And it was but very not, speculative not, and very risky, but it did pay off every now and then for me. Yeah. But you, but you don't want to really buy the big pharmaceutical company that's having to go out no. and buy all these other small ones because they have to keep up. No, but if a big pharmaceutical company has a big pipeline right now, um, and I don't know if Eli Lilly does right now off the top of my head, but if that if they do, then that that fifty five number you're talking about PE is 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 good. I wouldn't I wouldn't let that sway me. I wouldn't let that fifty five PE sway me if they have a big strong pipeline because that tells me they have a lot of stuff getting ready to come out, especially if it's in phase two and three. Brandon, if it's in phase three. I mean, come on. That tells me they they have a great pipeline that's about to burst out. That 55 is worth that. it to me. You know what? Do they have a great pipeline right now? Because I don't I, know. I haven't I haven't traded pharmaceuticals in, in a couple of years. So I mean we're I don't know. To the point though where it may be time to do that. Um, because these companies, a lot a lot of these companies, especially United Health, I mean, that's not really pharmaceutical, but kind of is. No, that's health insurance. Yeah, it's more health insurance, but but we're getting to the point where it might be time because if the market does take another big hit and these companies go down with it, like I said, they're more insulated than your, you know, average tech company, for example. Um, so they're more likely to make it out of this just fine. Yeah. And because, I mean, we're always going to need medicine and pills and um, we're always going to be improving, especially in America. America leads the way for medical innovations in the world still to this day. And, uh, you know, th those are companies that are going to do tremendous things yeah and so yeah i would i would buy if, if they have a strong pipeline it especially if they are working on uh medicines or treatments that actually have on on that are close in phase three that are showing uh promise in in their uh, results that get released you could guys you could dig into all this information it's free and available if you want to dig and spend time on it but if they're showing promise and good results that you know, that might be a company you want to go ahead and buy because they're getting ready to release all this and get them approved. Yeah, well, but then again, you could. As far as yeah, the banking goes, analysts are seeing J.P. Morgan. They think that earnings will jump twenty four percent year over year. Well, that's because J.P. Morgan. I mean, they got Jamie Dimon there, and he's doing a fantastic job of running that bank. I really believe he is. I don't always have. I have not always agreed with everything he said over the years, but I mean, I have to give him credit. He's done a fantastic job of running that company and. Keeping it moving and keeping it in the right direction. Yeah. On the flip I mean, side of that, city earnings, they see them tumbling 16%. Yes. So banking well, out them continuing to struggle. I mean, look at cities. So the last time we had any kind of banking crisis, any kind of thing, city, uh, city just disappeared 
and they came out with a new public company because <laughs> they went into what is that protected where you can't buy and sell the stock and it trades for like pennies and then it gets re-released. And uh, that city went through that whole, whole ordeal back in 2009. And um, yeah, and so they, they have never done well during banking crisis. And I don't know why they are big enough and they, they just never had the right management in place to handle these things properly. And it's very sad because, I mean, can you tell me one big uh, board of director member for city? No, no, but you and I can sit here and we can list off all the, you know, the ones for Goldman and, and, and then JP Morgan and so on and so forth. Right. But we can't list them off for city. Why? Cause they don't, I mean, they don't have anyone of, of known value that I'm aware of on, on it. Right. Another interesting one that we'll be reporting will be Taiwan Semiconductor. We've covered them in the past on this show, down 10% year over year. Well off their lows, though. Uh, I just think, you know, for this company, it's an incredible company. They produce like 67% of the world's uh, semiconductors come out of Taiwan Semiconductor uh, Manufacturing. There's some global geo geopolitical issues there with China that generally keep a, a lid on the stock but man if it wasn't for that this thing would be you know an ultimate buy right now and so i want to talk about yeah. yeah i want to talk about that for a second because there was multiple headlines over the last few days about china and taiwan right yeah so first i want to talk about the uh geopolitical events because they do matter to the stock it's it's suppressing taiwan semiconductors right I'm just going to talk. I'm just going to give you the headlines of what I read. I'm not going to talk any more into it than that. The headlines were reading that China is running military exercises uh, very near Taiwan, which, you know, this is something that China has done before. And Taiwan runs their own military exercises. And they both countries will do this from time to time over the years. This is not the first time it's happened. So I'm not too concerned. Um, and, and But it's making more headlines because of what happened in Ukraine with Russia. Right. And that's why this is becoming more okay. This might, this is this very scary moment. This might happen. But one of the reasons why I'm even, uh, I'm a little bit more calm about it is there's a company, uh, you guys may have heard of it, Foxconn, uh, that is going to be building a ginormous plant there in Taiwan. And so Foxconn has good relations with China. Uh, and if Foxconn feels comfortable building a big, a, a new plant in Taiwan, that makes me a little bit more comfortable about Taiwan Semiconductor. Or unless they think, you know, we'll be fine if China takes over Taiwan because we've got great relations with the, you know, with, with Xi. Uh, Samsung, listen, Samsung's uh, profit year over year fell 96%. And, and they wound up uh, announcing that they're going to have a meaningful cut in semiconductor output. Uh, I think there's probably going to be a lot of other companies that are following suit with this. Now, this this company, Taiwan Semiconductors, are already valued, um, undervalued, mostly because of the geopolitical issues and also because of the recent uh, semiconductor. Um, I mean, really, we're we're facing a, a sort of a recession in that industry already. Um, so, TSM has taken a big hit because of that already. I think. I think. Even even with this, Taiwan Semiconductor could still go lower, but I think it's undervalued if you wanted to buy it and hold it for 10 years, as long as China doesn't make a play on trying to topple Taiwan. So I want to. So we're on semiconductors, and everybody knows I've sp I've spoken on the show multiple times about semiconductors. I've given you guys great details. I talked about Nvidia and a few other companies. Um, last time I said, you know, we were talking about whether or not Nvidia would be a good buy because I was we we're talking about the AI chips that Nvidia makes. 
and how many of them that they're they're trying to sell. And if it, it really takes off, it's going to be a good thing. Then the following week, I came out about some new upstart company that broke off and wanted to start making these chips as well. Uh, but they didn't have any of the infrastructure in place to build them at any kind of pace that NVIDIA does. And we, we were talking about whether or not this would be actual competition or if companies are going to start doing this on their own. Well, sure enough, Microsoft is going to start finding a way to create these chips on their own outside of NVIDIA. It seems like more companies are getting tired of having to outsource all this, uh, all the chips and everything. They want to keep it all in-house so that they don't have to they don't have to continue to pay these high prices that NVIDIA is charging for these chips. Because I covered it last time. It was something like it was going to cost like a hundred thousand dollars in order to buy enough to run like one server or something for the AI that uh, Microsoft is is one in. It was going to be in in, bill, in the billions that Microsoft is going to be paying Nvidia for chips. And so I saw an, one article over the, over the weekend that talked about Microsoft is looking into that was the term used looking into. Um, creating these chips on the zone so they don't have to outsource these. And so I, when I hear that, and I hear that Meta, when I reported on this show that Meta had teamed up with that young upstart company that had no infrastructure about trying to create its own chips for AI, it sounds to me like these companies are tired of paying NVIDIA's prices and that they're trying to go ahead and just in-house it for now because Apple in-housed a lot of their chips now. So other companies are like, let's in-house our chips as well. Thoughts, Brandon? I think NVIDIA has room to drop the prices. They've got some of the best, you know, some of the best out there. So, yeah, but will uh, they? What is it? Like their the profit margins, I'm just going to take a guess. I, I think it was in the 80% the last time I saw it. So if they're forced to, they will. If, if you know, if it comes down to it, they'll have to. Do you think that's what Meta and Microsoft is is trying to do, is trying to put out these headlines to say, hey, Drop your prices, man, or we're just going to start creating on our own. And they'll do it because they've got the power to do it. Why wouldn't they? For themselves, at least. I mean, Apple's already done it with the A7 chip. Yeah, but Apple still has to outsource some stuff. And that was to get away from Intel. <laughs> right? Uh, which I did not like because <laughs> I own <laughs> Intel. <laughs> it's one of my long-term plays. Ugh, it's killing me. Sorry, go ahead, continue. You're talking about earnings coming out. No, that's all I got. That's all I've got for earnings. I, I really just want to see, I mean, if I'm going to pick three out of these, let's look at the banking sector. Actually, I want to do four. I want to look at JP Morgan, and then I want to look at PNC because I want national banks, and then I want the uh, smaller regional, and I want to look at PNC because they run well, you know. Then I want to see Delta Airlines for consumer travel, and then I want to see Taiwan Semiconductors. Gotcha. Taiwan Semiconductors, the, the, what the earnings will tell you, and I don't know if they'll talk about it on the on the conference calls or not, but they'll tell you a lot about the, si the supply chain as well. It will because uh, usually when they report numbers, they talk about uh, how they're shipping out, uh, how much they're shipping out, who's buying their uh, who's who's buying most of their uh, chips. So that usually comes up in the call. It did with NVIDIA's call. NVIDIA was talking heavily about where they were shipping to. They were having trouble where they were shipping to. So they were they were having trouble getting chips into China from the United States. And that was one of the issues they were having. So I hope to hear some of the same things from Taiwan Semiconductor as far as like their shipping. Are they having any issues getting chips around the world? And where, how, where are they getting them to? 
that will be one thing I'm definitely listening for. All right, so I I want to go into uh, jobs numbers real quick, and because uh, some jobs numbers, the jobs numbers came out for March last week, and uh, I want to talk for the last five minutes here just on this, Brandon, and get your thoughts on it. So I'm just going to read the 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 headline numbers here, and then uh, we'll we'll delve into a quick discussion about it. But non-farm payrolls grew by 236,000 for March. Uh, that's right in line with the estimate. Um, Unemployment rate ticked lower to 3.5%. Uh, so they're saying, you know, fewer people uh, are needing jobs right now. But here's the here's the number I want to talk about, guys. And this is the number that was really surprising to me is I'm trying to scroll down to find it as I'm talking. I was stalling, but I can't stall anymore. The uh, Oh, yeah, here it is. The number of available jobs in the United States was above 10 million, and it dropped now down by 1 million available jobs. So that tells me that uh, <laughs> companies are no longer hiring. They just said, you know, we're fine with the workforce we have. Cut that Indeed post out. We don't need to. We don't need to hire anymore. You couple that with the job cuts. That's why you, you're seeing the available jobs drop. Now, as soon as that available number amount of available jobs drops down a, a couple million more, that's when you're going to start to see people really have to stay stay in at their uh, employers that they're at, not be able to move. You're going to see people be unhappy in their jobs now because they can't just job hop like they used to. People are going to have to take the jobs that they don't really want. Um, and that's when you have like a real recession and unemployment may tick higher because as people quit, because they think that that's the way that it always has been is that I could just quit and find another one and then they can't find another one. That's what causes a, a a bigger problem. If the if that scenario I just named happens, is do you believe Brandon this is the start of that scenario that I just laid out there, or do you believe this is just the market correcting because of all the cuts and people staying at the jobs? No, I think it's because uh, yeah, I think it's exactly what you just said, and the, I think the the irony of it it's not and it's not something that's really unpredictable or anything like that but the irony of it is that um job unhappiness is still at like an all-time high right now um and i think that's because like if you remember your first three months at your job that you've had if you're perpetually reliving the first three months in training you're not going to be very happy it's just (laughs) you don't know anybody there you're you're having to learn something new there's a lot of pressure to it to perform and you just don't uh you know it's not a good way to live the job hop. It's not going to make you very happy. So yeah, you're going to be stuck. You're going to be stuck with your current employer for probably a while, which will be good for your resume at least. Um, But that's what I think will happen. And uh, just that jobs report, like it was so neutral to me. Um, You know, it was almost exactly what was expected. I think they were expecting 3.6% for the unemployment. They came in at 3.5%. Um, and everything else was almost just on the nose as well. So yeah, everything was on the nose except for that number of available jobs drop. Yeah. That was the only number that just was like, oh, okay. I didn't see that coming. I think it was good news for the people who are on the soft landing camp. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I I still don't really think we're going to have a soft landing, but that was evidence to kind of push me in the, okay, maybe it's possible. Gotcha. Gotcha. But All you right. see it like, you know, with that that jobs, you know, that drop from 10 million to 9 million, you're seeing you're seeing companies spend less already. 
Yeah, I mean it's it's definitely hundred percent because of companies uh, coming out with cost saving plans, restructuring plans, whatever you want to call it, optimization plans, and uh, they're saying, hey, you know, uh, we don't need to hire anymore because we're not really getting the sales we thought we were. So let's just stay right where we're at. Yeah. You know, and th- that's what that's what it, I believe is what we're seeing. And so as that, as the number of available jobs gets lower, usually it means it's just going to be more undesirable jobs that are going to be yeah. available, and those will have to be filled. But when you couple that with McDonald's cutting, McDonald's cutting uh, bonuses, McDonald's cutting benefits to their employees because they just can't pay them, I mean that's I mean, yeah, that's that's another sign they're going to more. I mean, are you really going to see any more employees, or just gonna, or are they going to build more of these uh, robot sto- uh, McDonald's uh, stores where you don't have any interaction with a human being? You know, because that's that's they have that in a few locations, and they might continue building those out and just get rid of ninety percent of their uh, employees that way. And then if gas prices continue to go up, but companies are trying to cut expenditures, what's that going to do to the supply chain and shipping? Right. I mean, well, that that would do with supply chain and shipping. They're going to say, "Hey, do you really need to fly out there, or can we do a Zoom call?" You know, with uh, we're going to be more Zoom calls and less flying because companies are trying to save money. Is this really worthwhile? They're going to be questioning every single cost. You know, it's it's, it's, it's how it is. They're going to look at cutting production for sure. Yep. It's it, there's a lot here to unravel. Um, but let's get into final thoughts, man, because I want to know if what you think. And in your final thought, I want to challenge you here. I want I want you to tell me. Given all the the news and everything we've covered here, what would be some areas maybe you're looking to invest with, or or maybe make some trades on, or something at least you're watching? Give me something at least you're watching. Maybe don't make a call, Brandon, but tell me I'm watching this because of a possible call here. Go ahead, uh, Dave. I'm I'm on a broken record here by Activision. <laughs> it's the least amount of risk you're going to have in the market for ten percent. Yeah, but how long is that going to take? Am I going to see that 10% a year from now? Because I'm like, look, I don't want to do that. You might, you might, but you're insulating yourself from a potential, you know, drop in the market again. I mean, I don't really see anything in the market right now that I care to buy. Give me two months. Give me two months other than Activision or, you know, if somebody announces a, um, a, uh, uh, you know, uh, acquisition, that I don't see the you know the government stepping in to stop because it, it you know it's not a monopoly or anything like that then then I'll buy into that and I'll let you know. Uh, I had WWE on my watch list for this Endeavor deal, but then it turned out to be a merger, not an all cash buy. And just, in my opinion, it's a bad deal for investors. So it is a bad deal for investors. I saw that you you, you sent that over to me right away. Yeah. If you guys don't know, uh, Brandon's a WWE fan, <laughs> so. All right, all right. Uh, my final thought, guys. Uh, man, I have a lot of my watch list, but I haven't been buying anything. I just keep adding to my watch list right now, and I'm not pulling the trigger on much. It's it's been very hard uh, to find reasons to actually pull the trigger on some of these. Um, now, I have done a lot of day trading lately on these big volatile days with the banks, and I've I've done very well, but I've been very selective of that. And I have years and years and years of experience doing it. And it's hard for me to like put an Instagram post out and say, Hey, buy this right now at this time. You know what I mean? And an hour later it makes his move. And then I'm, re- I'm putting in the comment section. Okay. I just sold it, That's hard for me to do. Cause I don't want to set someone up for a uh, failure there. And so. Yeah. You don't know when somebody's going to read 
yeah and posted so exactly and so that that's really hard for me to do if i do something like that prefer to do a video because in a video i can say hey guys i'm buying it right now at this time if you're if you're hearing this later on than that you might want to read through the comments (laughs) yeah i think you should do it because then they can at least watch the trade play out and see how you did it for future reference right uh so that might be one thing I, I, I'll do. Uh, I'm definitely looking at the CPI inflation and inflation report this week. That's going to be a big mover of markets one way or another, or maybe not. Maybe it comes in like the jobs number, kind of middle of the road, boring, no big numbers really. Uh, and so, you know, that that actually would probably be a good thing for the markets right now is uh, something like that. But I don't have any calls either, man. Nothing I'm really calling here. I'm just watching and keeping my watch list uh close to my side because I want to, I want to make some investments and some money this week. I mean, that's where I'm at. I've already got Activision, so I'm not putting I, any more money into it at this point in time. I don't need to. Dude, last time I bought Activision based off what you said, I had to hold it for like six, seven months and I barely eked out uh, a profit on it. I was not very happy with that. It's, deal. it's a balanced risk and reward and you have to accept the fact that it's going to take longer for those kind of deals to go through in order to, you know, be less risky with the money and, and, and to make the money over time rather than, you know, but you go into a trade, you don't know what's going to happen with it. But, you know, if you make your profits, you make it, you know, within a day or sometimes, you know, a week. But with this, it's like, all right, you know, about 95% sure this is going to happen. Um, I'm as certain as you could possibly be in the market that this is going to happen, that I'm going to, you know, take, I think I bought it in somewhere around $74, $75 initially, and then it'll turn it into a $95 share holding. So there you go, man. There you go. Brandon Diamond Hands over here. Diamond Hands, Brandon. Um, there is one deal, guys, that was announced on Friday. ExxonMobil is buying a shell oil drilling company. So that was the only deal that big deal that I was aware of. Um, that's it, man. All right, guys. Uh, as always, we hope we've been entertaining, educational, and uplifting because we want everyone to make money. Have a good night. Have a good night.